This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Keith Moore has been a blessing to this church for a long time. He's, he's been a, a, a blessing to Joy and I. We've known Keith and Phyllis for years and years now, at 30 plus, and uh, just have been involved with their ministry. We, we got in early on. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Phyllis said we were one of the, like, one of the first 20, one of the first, we were one of the first 20 supporters of their ministry. That's, uh, that's like buying Amazon when it first came out. <laughs> it has been a wonderful, wonderful investment. So we're just so excited to, to, to have Keith back and, and appreciate them. His, uh, his co-pilot, Mike Kennedy, is here. And, and Mike, Mike's a Houston, Houston boy, is that right? So we, we, we bring him back just to kind of get him indoctrinated back into Texas again. This, uh, Get some in his system, get him some barbecue, make him, make him last for a while. But uh, we're just so glad to have them. And uh, I just I hope you came expecting. It's going to be a wonderful night. Would you give Brother Keith Moore a big hand clap as he comes? Everybody happy? Yes. Well, if you missed last night, you missed a good one. I'm telling you that we, we had miracles here last night. That's no exaggeration. We had miracles and I think we ought to, uh, once again, lift our hands and thank the Lord for the miracles of healing that we had last night. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you that you heard our prayers. Thank you that you're so gracious and so good. And you are forever the Lord who heals us. Hallelujah. You will never change, and we're so glad of that. We have the greatest healer there's ever been. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Healing is always the will of God. Don't let anybody convince you that sickness is some kind of blessing in disguise or that God has a purpose of a disease in your life. Evil things come from evil source. And God is not evil. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. God is good. Hallelujah. And Jesus, a big part of his ministry is he went about, Acts 10 says, doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So uh, the scripture calls all the people uh, that, had, that were sick, that got healed in Jesus' ministry, said they were satanically oppressed. Sickness is satanic. Y'all with me, church? If you think, well, I don't know about that, then that makes it impossible for you to have faith to be healed. If, you, if you're questioning the will of God you can, about that, you cannot have faith to be healed. And so if this sounds new to you or strange to you, Take, exa take advantage of all the resources available. One reason I'm so stirred up about it is that we got faith school that, that I teach on a regular basis, and I've been going through all the uh, uh, 20 individual cases of healing. So with me, it's been healing in the morning, healing in the afternoon, healing when the sun goes down, and I'm, I'm full of it, and I'm happy about it. Hallelujah. And uh, you want to... Uh, the reason I say that is because it's available online at no charge. 
is you go to faithschool.org and you can go all the way back to the beginning. And there, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of lessons and they're in bite-sized 28-minute segments. So um, we want you to take advantage of that. Uh, the Lord has really helped us. And for all of you that have, uh, like Pastor said, have been a partner with us either in the past or currently, uh, then you have helped to uh, create these things and underwrite them and now are sending them. We just get a constant stream of testimonies into the ministry all the time. It is so wonderful. I mean, uh, they just, every week they come with a stack of papers and it's from all over the world, you know? Uh, Africa and Europe and Australia and, and Indonesia and, and I mean, everywhere. Isn't that wonderful? No, no generation has had uh, the technology like we have, and I believe it's a sign of the times that things need to be wound up. We, we need all these tools to finish the work because he is coming back. I said he is coming back. He's coming back. Um, if you would, go with me in the scripture this evening to the book of Luke, and I want us to... Uh, uh, well, let me see. Go to Psalms 115, then we'll go to the book of Luke. Psalm 115, and let's believe God together to hear from him. You, you don't, you're not limited to what I know. You, you want to hear from him. And he, he speaks in situations like this. The Bible says that the, uh, uh, the anointing teaches. The anointing teaches. In the environment of the anointing, just like this right here, right now, you, you start to see things and you'll start to get things. You'll start to understand things. You'll start to connect the dots. And that's not a man or woman showing it to you that's the Holy Spirit. That's the anointing. It just causes you to see it and know it. And in a situation like that, like this, things can be so clear to you. And you'll think, well, I, yes, of course, that's obvious. And then you'll think, well, I, I'll never forget that. And then maybe before the evening's over, you're trying to remember what was that. Have you ever done that before? Well, it's because you were more in the spirit at the time than you realized you were. Being in the spirit doesn't mean you're in a trance. It just means you're more aware of spiritual things than you are natural things. You're more focused and more concentrated on spiritual things than you are natural things. And we need, that's one of the reasons why he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together we need to come together in environments like this where we bring our corporate faith and the anointing is strong. And in this environment, in his presence, we get answers. Hallelujah. We, we get direction. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we ask for that. All of us agree together as touching this and we ask for answers and help and direction right now. Thank you for your spirit who teaches us. Hallelujah. And imparts to us. And a supply of the spirit. Somebody say, I receive it in Jesus' name. 
In uh, thinking about uh, what I should minister here uh, this week, the Lord prompted me, I believe, with this verse in Psalm 115. Psalm 115, 12. It says, the Lord has been mindful of us. Think about that. Does the Lord ever think about you? Huh? Are you ever on his mind? Well, according to this, he said he's been mindful of us. And what was he thinking about? He will bless us. That's what he had on his mind. When he thought about you, was he thought about blessing you. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. There's a lot of uh, emphasis on bless. Bless, can you count it? Bless, 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 bless. Right? In two verses. Why, he's the God of blessing. That's who he is. That's what he is. And there's always more blessing to receive. Sometimes people, they, they learn a thing or two and that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And, and uh, uh, there's been times I've in, in interacted with somebody and I said, well, you know, bless you. And, and they said, well, I'm, I'm already blessed. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> you are already blessed, but you have not received it all. And you are not walking in all of it. Come on, are y'all with me? And the correct answer, if it's somebody you believe has some grace and anointing on them, the correct answer is, thank you. I receive it. Right? And, and, and blessing is supposed to be much more than a remark after somebody sneezes. It, that's what blessing has devolved to in a lot of situations. Well, what, what is blessing? Look at the next phrase and see what blessing is tied to. Verse 14, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Verse 15, you are blessed of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So there is this tie between increase and blessing. Can you see that? Look at it again. Verse 12, uh, the Lord's been mindful of us. He'll do what? He'll bless us. He'll bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. He'll bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. How many know you got to be in there somewhere? Amen. Right? <laughs> You're in there somewhere. And it's his will to bless all of us. The Lord shall increase you. Why say that in the middle of talking about blessing? Because that's what the blessing does. It increases. That's what the blessing does. God is the God of increase. Everybody said out loud, God is, God is the God of increase. God of increase. 
Now, that's not just my thought. That's 1 Corinthians talks about that, that it's God who gives the increase. What is it? 3, 5, and uh, 3, 6, and 7, along through there. He says it twice, that God gives the increase. Well, uh, you, I mean, you can see that in passage after passage after passage. God is the God of increase. It's his will that every good thing multiply. He's the one that created seed. And a seed is an absolute miracle. We have grown accustomed to it, uh, but it is a miracle. It is an astounding miracle that one little seed can become a hundred. Is that right? It's, it's astounding. Can become 20, can become 30, can become 50. You can plant a pea and you don't get a pea. You get peas. Is that right? You, you plant a corn kernel and you don't get a corn kernel. Huh? You get what? Ears of corn full of kernels that will in kind produce after their own kind additional stalks and ears and you keep planting it and it just, it, it'll expand and fill up the hugest of spaces. That's what God has always done. That's who he is. That's what he is. And that's what is happening in the earth right now. Uh, hold your place here and go over to the book of James. Notice this. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Can you handle something that's uh, a little more than milk? Huh? Something you might have to chew on before you can swallow it? Huh? That's not everybody. Huh? <laughs> Am I in the right place? Um, James 5. James 5 and 7. He says, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Is he coming, church? He's coming. Well, what's he waiting on? What's he waiting on? Why didn't, why didn't he come today? Why didn't he come yesterday? Read the rest of the verse. Behold, the husbandman waiteth. Tells you what he's waiting on. For what? The precious fruit of the earth. And he has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws near. Is he coming, church? Why hasn't he already come? Why, why didn't he come in 1960? Why didn't he come in 1930? Right? We're told why. What's he waiting on? We're told exactly what he's waiting on. He's waiting on the precious fruit of the earth. What is the precious fruit of the earth? 
human salvations, souls saved. That is the precious fruit. And will all, you know, what is there, seven billion people or something on the planet now? Will all of them, uh, do all of them have faith in Jesus as their Lord? No, sadly, most of them don't. Then they won't be the harvest. But those who do believe and are born again, they are part of the harvest and God is getting a harvest from all the generations who have ever lived on the planet and he has and will have a people and God showed the result, the end of it to Abraham centuries ago. Come on, are y'all listening or not? He took him outside, you remember? And they didn't have one child, not a one. And he said, look up in the night sky, Abram. Look, can you count the stars? Now let's just stop right there. Who created the stars? How many are there? We, we really don't have much of a clue. It's amazing. Uh, I read about a while back they had come out with some new uh, telescopes that had better lenses and more power, and they pointed them at an empty portion of space. Well, it wasn't empty. It's got all kind of stars and galaxies. The further we look, the more there is. And there are apparently billions or trillions of solar systems like ours. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of, that's a lot of space. My question is, what's all that for? What is all that for? God never does anything for no reason. And he doesn't create things that are barren and don't produce anything. Never. This is one thing that will help you to judge between right doctrine and understanding and not understanding. God is the God of increase. He's the God of fruitfulness. Hmm? If you see something that is barren and destroyed and bleak, you can be sure of this, it became that way. God didn't originally create it that way. Something caused it to become that way. And there's a whole lot happened before we got here. There's a whole lot we don't know about, don't need to know about right now. But what we do need to understand is who our God is and what his will is and what his plan is because you and I are part of the plan. We are part of this great, great plan of God taking a people for himself out of the harvest of the earth. Now, like I said, most of this we won't understand right now, 
But we, under, we need to understand the principles to operate successfully here and now. Because he never changes. And the way that he, way he has done things is the way he will always do things. He is the God of increase. He's the God of fruitfulness. He's the God of more and more. Come on, did you see that in Psalm 115? What? Come on, look at it again. Psalm 115, did you lose it or you still got it? The, Lord, the Lord's been mindful of us. What does, the, what does the Almighty think about? What does the Almighty think about? He, he has thoughts. He has plans. One of, one of the most amazing things, and it's something we need mind renewal about. We think 50 years is a long time. And it's not. We think 100 years is a long time. And it's not. The Bible said that with God, uh, the psalmist says it, and then also it says it in Peter, that a thousand years to him is like last night. It's like a watch in the night. It's like, well, well what does last night seem like to you? Well, last night. Right? That's, that's how God perceives the last millennia. To him, the past thousand years is like, is like what last night is to you and me. And those that study these things, they, they think that a lot of this is a great, great age talking about the universe. And so it'll help us to, to realize what, what kinds of time frames we're talking about here. And it'll give us perspective into how young we are. <laughs> when the scripture says, my little children, it's not a figure of speech. We are little bitty. We are so, even if you're 80 years old, you are very, compared to him, you are barely just getting started. This life is the briefest thing we will ever do. This is getting us ready for the next. And this is deciding what happens next. Are y'all with me? And God is taking to himself a group, not everybody, but a group. And even he said, you know, people asked him one question uh, when he was on the earth, are there few that be saved? And he answered, you know, there's a broad way that leads to destruction, and there are many that's going down that broad path. And there's a narrow way, a straight and a narrow way that leads to uh, salvation, and few compared to the billions that find it. So no, everybody's not going to be saved. Everybody's not saved. And it's not God making the choice for them. It's them making the choice. Are y'all okay with me, church? Can you, can you stay on this line for a while? I'm, I'm going somewhere. The Spirit of God's going somewhere. What is God's will? What does he think about? Your Father, who is in heaven, sitting on the throne, 
What does he think about? <laughs> he thinks about expansion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when he thinks about expansion, he thinks about you. I said he thinks about you. He's been mindful of us. He said, I know the thoughts and the plans I've thought about you. Plans to give you an expected end. He, he knows the end from the beginning. He's got a plan. Oh, somebody say he's got a plan. He's got, he's got a plan. And one of the most wonderful things that ever happened is that you are part of the plan. You are part of the plan. Somebody say, I'm part of the plan. I'm, I'm part of the plan. It doesn't involve you floating on a cloud playing a harp, being bored, being bored for thousands of years. That ain't gonna happen. Now, if, if you wanna play a harp on a cloud, maybe you'll get to, but how long you wanna do that? No, God's got a plan. I said, God's got a plan, and it involves you ruling and reigning with him in his eternal kingdom. How big is that kingdom? The thing he used to show Abraham was space. Wasn't it? That's what he used. He said, Abraham, look up in the night sky. Look on the seashore. Can you count all the grains of sand? How many grains of sand are there? <laughs> How many? <laughs> on all the beaches of the world? I mean, is, is there a number that, that goes that high? I don't know. Look into the depths of the furthest reaches of space. To this day, we have no idea. How many trillions? What kind of number beyond that? Stars there are with planets and systems. And He said, that's how many your seed will be. Well, the seed of Abraham, according to Galatians, those who have faith in Christ are the seed of Abraham. Everybody that's ever been born again is Abraham's seed. Y'all with me or not? There's already millions of us. But there's, there's a lot more than millions of places and positions. God is big. Is he or not? He's, he's bigger than the mountains. He's bigger than the oceans. He's bigger than this galaxy. He's bigger. He's bigger. He's got some mega big plans. And he needs a lot of help to run it, to operate it. And he's got his eye on you right now. He wants you and me to qualify. He wants to train us. And it had to be in a challenging environment. Nothing else would work. Think about 
Anybody believe that we have the armor of the Lord? Helmet of salvation? Breastplate of righteousness? Sword of the Spirit? Shield of faith? Huh? Well, what if there's nothing to fight? You got all this gear and there's nothing to fight? How can you be an overcomer unless there's something to overcome? How can you be more than a conqueror unless there's an enemy? Can't be. How can there be obedience and, and faithfulness if you don't have a choice? Come on, can you see that? How do you know who you can trust? Now, what we're talking about, and I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit. And, man, this thing is expanding on me as I'm going. I'm... <laughs> Feel a 30 part series coming on. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you're believing with me for tonight, right? You're believing. Can we get what we're supposed to get tonight? The, th the thing that the Lord is looking for and the thing he's going to reward is faith and faithfulness. Everybody said out loud, faith and faithfulness. Without faith, it's what? Impossible to please. What does impossible mean? There's no way. There's no way you're going to please him with a prayer or an offering or works of any kind unless there's faith in it. You can't do a thing extravagant enough. You can't give something big enough. You can't do something extreme enough that it's going to wow God. Remember, he creates planets, okay? <laughs> right? Stars. I mean, <laughs> how you, how you going to write a big check and God go, whoo, that's big. Man, that's amazing. Are, are you kidding? And yet, and yet, when people would exhibit strong and great faith, the Lord was impressed. Have you read it? He would say, I hadn't seen faith like this in the whole country. Wouldn't he say that? He said, man, that's great faith. Why? What is faith? Another word for faith is trust. Trust. You know, what does is, what is Hebrews 11 say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. It's the evidence of things not seen. And he goes on through the entire 11th chapter. And what do you see in case after case after case with uh, Enoch and Abraham and Moses and on and on and on? They trusted God. He would tell them something. He'd tell them to do something. And it would be things they didn't understand or they didn't see how it could happen. There was all kind of contradictions that would tell them that it couldn't be so, but they would believe anyway. They would trust him in the face of seeming overwhelming, contradicting evidence. They chose to trust him. Well, somebody say they chose to trust him. They chose. And how is it that you and I are born again? How is it? How many are confident that if you quit breathing right now 
and you fell off this chair, it would say, whew, well, he's gone. How many are confident you would go straight to be with the Lord? I want to see, I want to see. Are you confident? Are you confident? Why? What are you trusting in? What? You are trusting in the finished work of your Lord and Savior, Jesus. You better not be trusting in how good you've been. I'm telling you, now we're laughing, but there are people who are trying to think, I hope I'm good enough to, to make it. Well, then you're probably not. If that's what you're counting on, nobody can save themselves through their good works. Nope, you cannot. This thing about, you know, meeting Peter at the pearly gate, it's, it's a pearl and I don't think you'll meet Peter when you get there. But the idea is that Peter will be there with the old-fashioned scale. You know, that's got the pan on both sides with the chains that you can weigh. And they're going to eyeball you and weigh your good works versus your bad works. And, and hopefully some people think that last couple of good things I did right before I died will kind of tip the scale in my favor. And they'll go... Okay, come on in, you know. And so you barely made it. That's not going to happen. I said, that's not going to happen. Nobody is saved because of the good they did. Nobody. If you could be, then it wasn't necessary for Jesus to come for your salvation. And, and he had to come or none of us would be saved. So how many will lift a hand and say, I am trusting in Jesus and what he has done for my salvation? Then you can be confident and assured that when you breathe your last, you'll go straight to be with him. You trust him. But we hadn't talked enough maybe about the other side. Faith is us trusting him. Faithfulness is him trusting us. Are y'all with me? I, I don't think I've ever used that phrase before in, in my preaching. Faith is us trusting him. It means we trust him. Faithfulness means he can trust us. And, and he's looking for this. There's a lot of baby Christians around that are trusting God for their salvation, and they are saved. But they are not faithful. And he can't depend on them for things that matter to get the job done, to get the kingdom done. He, he, he's looking for men and women that will grow up in the Lord, that will develop, that he can count on. And when he wants something done, he can tap them on the shoulder by his spirit and they won't argue with him. They won't put it off for three weeks. Come on, y'all listen to me or not? They will do what he directed them to do 
immediately exactly the way that he directed them to do it. Are y'all with me, friends? These are the faithful. These are the faithful, and that is what the future positions will be based on, is faithfulness. Have you read the Lord who, who portrayed the, 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 the coming kingdom and, and positions by the parable where he said God, excuse me, the, the owner distributed to individuals the talents? You remember this? And he gave to this one a certain amount of talents and this one more talents and, and this one. And then there was a long season where they either employed them and used them or didn't. And, and what was the purpose of this? They were to increase and multiply what he had given them. Isn't that right? And the one that said, I hid the one you gave me, he didn't get any reward. In fact, he lost out. But the other ones who said, Lord, I put it to work and it's multiplied and now it's twice as many as what it was. What did he say to them? What did he say? Come on. Well done. What? What? Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. This is what's going on right now. This is what's happening right now. What are the talents? The talents are graces and opportunities and resources. And just because you have all kind of grace and anointing and revelation doesn't mean you'll do anything with it. You can sit on it. You can procrastinate forever. And the Lord knows how much to give each person. Said he gave them according to their several or individual abilities. You can see why he gave the guy, gave the guy only one. Right? He didn't do anything with that one. Right? So it would have been a big waste to give him five. Because he'd have done the same thing with five that he did with one. Go with me to the book of Luke. <laughs> Are y'all okay? Hallelujah. What is faith, church? What is faith? That's us trusting him. What's faithfulness? That's him, us being faithful means he can trust us. Babies don't even think about this. But as you grow up, you should develop to where people can depend on you. Right? People can count on you. In uh, Luke, the, uh, the 16th chapter, hallelujah, take a breath, are you doing okay? Huh? 
Check, check your neighbor. Make sure they're not asleep. They, they don't want to miss this. Luke 16, uh, half of this passage is about stewardship. Stewardship. And it says in, in verse 1, the, there was a certain rich man that Jesus is talking about, had a steward. Now, a steward, you could translate that administrator or manager. Now, a manager is not an owner. The manager isn't the owner. The manager is, is, has responsibility for handling the owner's goods or affairs. That's what a steward or a manager is. The same was accused that he had wasted his goods. He called him and said to him, how is it that I hear this of you? Give an account of your stewardship for you may be no longer steward. And then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? Uh, can you hear all this emphasis on stewardship? Steward, steward, steward. It's on managing. And he said, uh, uh, I, I, I can't dig. What, what, what am I going to do? I, I know what I'll do when I'm put out of the stewardship. They may receive me into their houses. He called his Lord's debtors to him. And you can see why he's getting dismissed because he's crooked. And, and he got them to falsify their paperwork and trying to set himself up for after he gets kicked out. And... Uh, the Lord said, there's a lot of things here, but in verse 10, the master said, you know, why he's telling them this about stewardship. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust doesn't do what's right. And we could also say, and is unfaithful in the least is, doesn't do what's right, is unjust and unfaithful in the much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? People have got things twisted where this is concerned. You hear people when you talk about, because he gets to talking about money, money and material things in this passage. And people have the idea, well, you know, God doesn't care about that. He only cares about spiritual things. And so money and stuff doesn't matter. Um, you got it backwards. God allows you to handle the less important things first. And if you don't handle that well, you don't get opportunity to handle the more important things. If he can't trust you with $5, then he can't trust you with a church-changing revelation. Y'all with me or not? Do you see how people have got things messed up? They've got them mixed up. Well, that doesn't matter. It does matter. I said it does matter. The natural things, the material things matter a great deal. Do you know what the first murder on the planet was over an offering is that right the first murder on the planet 
was over an offering. And that's, that gives you some insight into still today why people get so mad if people are generous in their giving to God. Because it was Abel's big offering. He gave the biggest and the best that he had. And it was nothing to do with trying to show his brother up. He just loved God. And the devil hates it so much and he is so covetous. He wants all the money because he wants the control. Who wants the church to be broke? God wants the church to be broke? <laughs> Who wants Christians to be so poor and so limited that no unbelievers looking on want to be one? Huh? Who, who wants Christians to be unsuccessful and limited and restricted? I had a young man some years ago sit across the desk from me. His father was a pastor all his life. And, and the young man knew he had a call on his life to follow in his dad's footsteps. And he looked at me across the desk and he said, I, I want to have something in life. I don't want to be broke all my life like my dad. I, I just refuse to live that way. And he would not answer the call. And to this day, that was decades ago. I guess he's just still running from God. It's pitiful because nobody said he had to be broke to be in the ministry except the enemies influenced religious traditions. The Lord never told us we had to take a vow of poverty to serve him. He gave us the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How are you going to do that with no money? Come on, help me out. How are you, how you going to do that? With no resources. With no money, you can't use the internet, you can't use TV, you can't use satellite, you can't even buy a ticket and go somewhere and preach. Huh? If you're broke enough, you can't fill up your car to get out of town. Now we're laughing, but I, I was there years ago. Believe in lies. That somehow being poverty stricken makes you holy and, and God likes it. It's the enemy who wants the church broke. Right. It's the enemy who wants believers restricted. Right. And the key to more, is everybody listening? Everybody listening? The key to more is faithfulness. Faithfulness. He that is faithful in that which is least, is faithful also in much. Is that true or not? Then what about all the people who say, well, I, I, don't, I can't do anything right now. Wish I could. But I can't, because you know, we got this going and we got that going and I just don't have it. But you know, soon as I get in shape. We're going to do more for the kingdom. No, you're not. No, you're not. Mm -mm. You're not going to get there. People say, well, as soon as my ship comes in, honey, the ship ain't left port. <laughs> ship, ship is not on the way. It ain't coming. 
Why, why can you say that, Brother Keith? Because in order to get things God's way, you have to obey his principles. And his principles are obeying him with what you have in your hand right now. Come on, are y'all with me? That, that's the key. Where you are, what you have right now. This pining away, daydreaming about some big windfall uh, soon can be delusional. I said it can be foolish and delusional. Well, what do you mean by that, Brother Keith? Well, let me, let me let the word say it for you. Hold your place in Luke. We're not done there. And go with me to Proverbs 13. How much more can you handle, church? Let me, huh? Little bit? We're talking about more. How to get more. Well, here's, here's how you don't get it. <laughs> Let's deal with that first. This is what doesn't work. Proverbs 13, 4. Proverbs 13, 4 says, the soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. And this is your soul he's talking about. Uh, the Good News translation says, no matter how much a lazy person may want something, he'll never get it. What, what does that mean, Brother Keith? Desire can be a motivator. It is not a producer. You cannot want something into existence. It doesn't work. You can long for something, you can crave something, you can want something, and it will never make it happen. It takes more than desire to produce. Look in the uh, 21st chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21 and 25. 21, 25 says, the desire of the slothful kills him. For his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long. But the righteous does what? The righteous does what? Gives and spares not. What's giving got to do with this? Everything. Everything. Hallelujah. What we're talking about is life changing. If you, if you get some of these things in your spirit and heed them tonight and tomorrow and the next day, 
your life and your abilities and resources can be on a totally different level in a short time in the future. Are y'all with me? This will work for anybody. Anybody under the sound of my voice. In a short amount of time, especially if the Lord tears is coming within a few years, you could be handling resources that you never imagined that you would be coming through your hands. And I'm talking about not something you got the wrong way through dishonesty or something. I'm talking about God added it to you. He added it to you. He caused things to come together in your life and put it together and brought it together until it multiplied and you are at a totally different place in life materially and financially. And he wants this. He needs this. Because there are so many people who are never going to believe this. The most church-going people are never going to believe this. And they're going to be lazy spiritually. Most of the church-going world like what I call no-fault religion. What does that mean? No matter what doesn't happen, it's not my fault. It was the mysterious will of God. Huh? And that is not reality. But most people are baby babies, spiritual babies, and so they take no responsibility and and they can't be counted on. They're trusting on God and God for their salvation and they're saved. When they die, they'll go to be with the Lord. But he can't trust them with $10. What do you mean? They won't do what he tells them to do with it. They won't do it. And if he can't trust you with one talent, he's not going to give you 10. The key is, can he trust you? Can he trust you? Listen to this, the Amplified. It talks about the the slothful man. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not withhold. The, The English version says, all day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Two or three different translations set like this. The good news in today's English says all they do is think about what they would like to have. The righteous, however, can give and give generously. All they do is think about what they, what they want. And that will never produce. That won't produce. I know um, just uh, yesterday, something came up and a uh, a relief organization uh, is helping people there in New Orleans. And I had our associate to check on it and what was going on with them and I'd ask them, what do you need? And and one of the things they needed was a, a piece of equipment, big heavy piece of equipment that cost, you know, scores of thousands of dollars and, and the Lord had already prompted us and, and we said, well, okay, the check will be there tomorrow from the church, from the ministry. And so they got it. Just like that. 
Well, don't, don't clap. Don't, don't clap. I'm, I'm not saying it for that reason. I thought back 40 years ago when I couldn't fill my tank with gas. And I'm thinking, how you get from there to here? To where we're, we're sowing millions into preaching the gospel and into other kind of things. And because of our partners, they're sowing. And our people in the church, they're sowing. And we're sowing. Phyllis and I are giving. And uh, how did we get to the place where we could? Right? Because people will say, well, I, boy, I, I would do it if I had it. Would you? Would you? Because according to Jesus, if you're not doing it now with what you have, you wouldn't do it no matter how much you had. You see, most people don't believe that. They say, well, no, no. Now, if, if I had millions, I'd do something. Not if you wouldn't do it with 20. That's not my words. That's his words. It's not true. It's just not true. Because by the time you got there, how many understand, no matter how much money you got, you can always spend more than what you got. You can, there's always something else you can go after. And if your priority wasn't the kingdom when you had $100, how did it magically become your priority when you had a million? When did that happen? It didn't happen. And so people will say, well, you know, if God would give me more, <laughs> you're wrong. I said, you're wrong. Look, look in the 17th chapter of Luke. <laughs> Are we okay? Luke 17, 5, just on the next page over here. The disciples looked at the master and they said, Lord, 17, 5, Increase our faith. Give us more faith. This is a prayer that's going up by the millions all the time. Not just give us more faith, but in every area, Lord, I need more. I need more. I need more revelation. I need more light. I need more anointing. I need more favor. I need more opportunity. We need more money. We need more stuff. We need more. We need more. We need more. Give us more. And notice Jesus' answer. Keep reading. Verse 6. Jesus said, okay, come over here and line up. I'm going to give you some extra faith. Huh? No, he didn't. He never did that. And if anybody ever tells you, come here, I'm going to lay hands on you and give you some faith. Don't do it. I said, don't do it. That's not how faith comes. It's not how faith is developed. What did he say? What did Jesus say? If you had faith, he immediately talks to them about what they have. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now see, they didn't say, give us some faith. What'd they say? Increase. So they believe they had some. 
And he's telling them, you've already got what you need to get more. If you had faith, you would say. What does that mean? If you had faith, you would use it, and that's how you get more. Not through asking for it, not through begging for it, but through being a good steward with what you have. Using what you have faithfully is the key to increase. It's the key to getting more. I was thinking about, you know, us being able to sow that, that seed yesterday. I'm just thanking God, thanking God for all our partners and all the church people and, and just, just thanking God. They were so excited. They were talking about they didn't know how it could come to pass this and that. And we said, well, what if you had the money in your hand tomorrow? Oh, we could get it right now. Well, then go get it. I mean, they're, they're feeding people down there in New Orleans right now. This is good seed. And uh, the Lord took me back. Rewind, rewind, rewind. Almost 40 years ago, I'm a first-year Rama student. Phyllis and I got no money, no money. I mean, I'm talking about a $5 bill to last the week. You know, and I missed lunch sometimes, not because I was trying to be spiritual and fast. It was just a choice between gas money and that. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm not complaining. I learned how to believe God during that time. And that you can't put a price on. And at the Bible school back then, they required us to wear a coat and dress slacks. And I didn't have any dress clothes. And before I get started in school, I did wind up with, um, I wind up with two sport coats and two pair of pants. So you mix and match. <laughs> right? You mix and match. <laughs> and I had one pair of shoes that were anything close to dress that would go with it. And of course, you wear the same shoes all the time. They wear out faster. And so my shoes were really looking bad. And I polished them and did what I could do, but they just, you know, they just they get to a point where you need new shoes. And so I'm learning about believing God. I'm learning he's my source. I'm learning about sowing and reaping. And so I, I, I claimed money to, to buy shoes with. And I'm believing for it. I'm expecting it. And lo and behold, through the mail, unexpected channel comes $50. And they said, we, we thought maybe you could use something in school. Oh, praise God. This is my shoe money. I'm excited about it. I got my shoe money. I went to school that day, and then we had classes. Then we had prayer school. Then we had healing school. And that was the end of the day, but that was like, you know, I don't know what, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And so uh, uh, there's a mall about... I don't know, 15 minutes away, I'm going to go and get my new shoes. Man, I'm praying good that day in prayer school. I got, God has heard my prayer. I got my shoe money, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. You know, I'm just thinking, hey, the Word of God works, man. The word, faith works. God, God works. And uh, 
uh, while I'm laying there praying, the Lord brought to my attention, this was our prayer school, a group of us is praying in, in the auditorium, and there was a, a young man who was speaking that week in the afternoon healing class, and um, the Lord brought him to my uh, attention, so I'm praying for him. The service is going to start in just a few minutes, and so uh, the, it came up in my spirit, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes, Specific, and I thought, well, okay, Lord, you you brought me my shoe money. I, what are y'all what are y'all laughing about? I, I I'm going to agree with him right now, and I'm asking you to bring him his shoe money, just like you you brought. What are y'all laughing about? What are y'all laughing about? Do you know what's coming? <laughs> Now, let's just stop here before we go any further. You think you know what's coming. Why? Why would God do this? If it doesn't mean anything to you, it's not a test of your obedience. It's not a test of your faithfulness. Is God trying to flunk us? Is he trying to disapprove? No, he wants to approve us for more. Come on, can you see this or not? He wants you to be faithful so he can add to you. And then he wants you to be faithful again so, and he wants you to, to be faithful quickly and repeatedly so he can get you from here to here in a short amount of time. But he, it would be wrong of him to add to you a bunch that you're not going to handle correctly and it would actually take you away from him. There's a lot of folks, if they had a bunch of money and they didn't have to work anymore, they would not be in church next Sunday. They wouldn't. They'd just forget God. It's happened over and over and over again. So it came up to me again while I'm laying there praying in the floor. He's believing me for a specific pair of brown shoes. I thought, well, Lord, you gave me my shoe money. I'm, I'm standing, I'm expecting. And then it came up from that same place where the Spirit goes, sow him your shoe money and you won't lack for shoes. And I quit praying. <laughs> 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 and I sat up. <laughs> now, this, this, is, this is 40 years ago. I'm young, young. I'm learning how to hear from the Lord. I, I sat up, and I'm thinking about this. <laughs> and then I rebuke the devil. <laughs> I, rebuke, I rebuke the devil. I said, you sorry devil. <laughs> You're trying to confuse me and steal my shoe money. You, you sorry devil. I rebuke you. I, I bind you. <laughs> so I took care of that and I got back down on the floor and started praying again. What do you think happened? Came right back up to me. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. See, the Lord knows when we're babies and 
We don't know. He's merciful. It's be like dealing with a three-year-old, you know. He knows he didn't pay any attention to that. Came back up and sow him your shoe money and you won't lack for shoes. Well, I didn't realize it at the time, but this $50 is not going to take me through the rest of the year. I wasn't even thinking that way, but is this going to clothe me for a long time? No. The, Lord, the Lord's endeavoring to cover me a lot more, a lot further. And he knows that this, this is worth a lot more, this $50 at this point in my life. It's worth a lot more as a seed than it is using to meet the need. Because he can multiply that hmm, into so much more. He can, t he can do a lot with a little. You know what he can't multiply? Nothing. I mean, a million times nothing is what? Nothing. You can't multiply nothing. When Jesus fed the multitudes, how did he do it? He didn't, it didn't create out of thin air. Did it? No. What did he do? You know what he said? What do you have? Go and see. Oh, come on, y'all listening, church. Huh? What's the key to more? In every situation, all this dreaming and dreaming and wanting and wanting will never produce anything. Did you see the scriptures there in Proverbs? You're laying around, feeling sorry for yourself about what you don't have, I want this, I want that, I need this, I need that, will never produce anything in your life. What's God's way? What do you have now? What's, what's in your hand? What's in your house? What do you have right here, right now? Now, don't, you don't just go do something with it. You let him tell you what to do with it. Because you can waste your seed. You can actually miss it. Giving. You can miss it. Giving the wrong thing to the wrong people at the wrong time. It's not just run out and give something. No, that's, that's not how it works. This is not just about giving. It's about can he trust you? Come on, y'all listening or not? Can he trust you? What? To do what he tells you to do. That's, that's the thing. This is the big thing. Can he trust you? So what the Lord is doing with me right there at that moment 40 years ago, can he trust me with this $50? He knew that in 40 years, he'd want me to be making decisions in our board on millions of uh, ministry monies. Can he trust me with that? What's the key? How, how do we know he can trust me with it? Can he trust me with 50? Come on, can y'all see this or not? Can he trust me with 50? If I won't obey him with the 50, I shouldn't get a chance to mishandle millions. Because these are his holy offerings. These are the people's seed. They're obeying him in the sowing and giving. It needs to be handled correctly, righteously, it's holy.
He's the one who gave me this 50. He dealt with the person to send it to me. And so now, he's the one who gave me the 50. Now he's telling me, I had already decided I should go buy shoes with it. But now he's telling me, no, I want you to buy him some shoes. So now we're going to find out if he can trust me. I know I can trust him. So I laid there and I quit praying again. And I thought, that's not the devil. That's the same spirit of God that has led me for years. The same spirit of God led me to go to school here. I said, okay, Lord. Okay. All right. So service started in a few minutes. And I noticed he had some nice shoes on. I mean, man, his shoes five times nicer than my shoes. <laughs> but what does that have to do with anything? That, the man didn't ask me for anything. This The Lord told me. So what does that got to do with anything? So I just, I just, you know, quit looking at the shoes and, and got through the service and and at the end, I, I wanna, I'm learning. I want to know, am I getting this right? And so I came up after service, and, and him, he and his wife were about to leave, go out the side way. And I said, excuse me, can I, um, can I ask you a question? And, and they said, yeah. And so I said, uh, are, <laughs> are you believing God for some brown shoes? Well, actually, excuse me, it was just him standing there. And he said, say what? I thought, uh-oh, because I was a student at the Bible school. And I thought, oh, man, they're going to call the dean and tell them they got a flaky student here that thinks he's getting things by the Spirit. And, and so uh, he, he said, what was that? I said, I, I just want to know, are you believing God for some brown shoes? He said, wait, wait here just a minute. I thought, oh man, I'm in trouble. And he called, his wife came over. He said, tell her what you told me. I said, I just want to know, uh, are, are, you, are you believing God for some brown shoes? They both threw their hands up and said, oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. They just praised God for a minute. And then they said, it, it wasn't two hours ago oh, back in the speaker's room that we joined hands and agreed together for some uh, brown shoes. He has some others, but he didn't have the brown shoe. Well, that was, I, I figured it out. That was the same time I was rebuking the devil. <laughs> Back in, in the prayer, prayer time. <laughs> I, said, I said, well, I, I said, well, uh, here, you know, is some money to put towards them. And I gave them my $50. They, they grabbed it. They prayed over it. They thanked me. They thanked God. And they left. And I went out the door to my little pickup truck. And I am uh, shoeless and moneyless. <laughs> and I feel wonderful. Wonderful. I feel like I'm floating about that high off the ground. I heard from God. Oh, come on, y'all listening or not? I heard, I heard from the Lord. Brown shoes, specific. I, I heard something from the Lord, 
and I got it right. And so I'm thanking God the whole way uh, down. And you know, it wasn't, I don't know, a month or so. I got a pair of shoes and then I got another pair and then another pair. And then I'm telling you, I would go somewhere to preach and people would walk up and hand me their credit card. And say, take that and go to the mall while you're here and get a pair of those exotic skin dress shoes. Yes, sir. This happened more than, they'd just show up, shipped to, my, to the ministry. A pair of alligator shoes in my size. What did the Lord, what'd the Lord say? You won't want. You, you won't want. Sow him your shoe money and you, see, it was a seed. He knew this is not going to get me through the rest of the year. I need more than this. But the bigger question was not about shoes. Because God had plans for me. He's got plans for you. Come on, y'all listening or not? I said, God had plans for me. And the thing, he wants to use me with bigger things. He, he wants, but the, here's the question. Tell me the question, church. What's the question? Can he trust me? How will we know whether he can trust me or not? If I'm faithful in the little. If I'm faithful in the little, then he, that's proof positive. He knows that he can trust me with more. And so he'll add to me. Now, the moment I quit obeying him, then I don't qualify for any more, any bigger. This is a big part of what the tithe is about. People fuss over the tithe. There's all this kind of stuff. People say, well, that's Old Testament, and that's, that's not far. Well, Jesus said you should tithe. Have you seen that? Tithing is in the book of Hebrews, New Testament. I mean, it's, it's not about keeping a rule. It's about the Lord saying, the tenth part is mine. That means it's not yours. And that means you are to ask him what to do with it. Church, are y'all with me or not? And it's one of these things about if you won't obey him with that, then you don't qualify for more. And if you, if you think, well, I don't know if I agree with you about that, don't make it between me and you. Get your nose in this book. Come on out with me. Don't make it about the money. Make it about the word. And it's not about the money. It's about putting him first. It's about acknowledging you have a source. And without him, you wouldn't have anything. You couldn't do anything. It's about honoring him with the first fruits. Hallelujah. Can you see this or not? This has always been, a, tithing was before the law, during and after the law. Abraham tithed and there was no commandment to tithe. This is before there was any law. Why did he do that? Why, where did he get that? He got that from God himself. Why was, why was Abel giving offerings? This, is, this predates Abraham and Moses. Where'd they get that? It's about trust. Can the Lord trust you? When he deals with you to do something, will you do it? Will you do it without delay? 
Will you do it without arguing? And what'll happen is he'll, there'll be situations where he'll put his finger on something. He'll ask you for your Isaac. Church, you are with me or not? Huh? Would God ask you for your Isaac? Huh? He did. He did, he did Abraham. Would he, why would he do that? It's the only way for you to prove you love him more. It's the only way. Talk is talk till it comes time to act. Right? And when God asks you for your Isaac, you'll find out things about yourself. You'll go, my, that? That's my favorite. That's, that's my thing. That's my, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's not trying to take anything away from you. He wants to know, can he trust you? Why is Abraham in the book? He said, take your son, your only son. Does he know what this means to Abraham? Absolutely. Take him up to this mount. Offer him up to me. The next morning, early, Abraham loads the donkey, heads out. No questioning. No, that's why he's in the book. That's why he's called the friend of God. Why? Not only did he trust God. Oh, come on, church, are y'all listening? Are y'all listening? But what? God can trust him. And when it gets to the point, that how, how can you prove that there's nothing you won't give to God? How can you prove it? Only by doing it. That's the only way to prove it. But when you do, it breaks things. It breaks limitations. When you overcome selfishness, you overcome covetousness, the Lord wants you to have things. He wants you to enjoy things and money, but he doesn't want anything to be even close to being as important in your life as he is. Not even close. And the only way to get free and to prove that is by giving it, letting it go, releasing it, obeying, and trusting him that he's going to take care of you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Come on, say it, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. And here's the, here's the other side of it. Do you want him to be able to trust you? Does that matter to you? It should be of the utmost importance to you. I mean, everybody around you, everybody. I mean, your spouse, your children, your friends, your family members, everybody should know, don't make me pick between God and you. Huh? Don't, don't, don't do that. Because I've already made up my mind. 
You mean you pick me over God? In a minute. In a moment. I will. And if you won't, you got changes to make. I've seen people follow their spouse away from God. Man, I've seen it. It's sad. It is sad. I've seen people miss God over a house place. He told them to move and they wouldn't move. Yeah, but this is, this is where I grew up and this is where mom and them are. And I just uh, friend, this whole place is going to be ashes real soon. <laughs> you ain't going to be here long enough to even think about it. What? All of this is temporary. Well, it's home. There is no permanent home down here. We're just <laughs> passing through. Haven't you heard about this? <laughs> and your good stuff is not down here. He's gone to prepare a place for you. And oh, what a place. Your good stuff is, is there. So you can let this stuff down here go. It comes, it goes. Freely you've received, freely you give. It flows to you, it flows through you. Y'all with me, church? It's just stuff. It's just money, it's just stuff. The only real value it has if it can accomplish something for the plan of God, for God's people, yes. to help people. That, that's the only real value, yes. lasting value, that it has. Do you believe it, church? We're here for such a short time. God's given us opportunities and some resources. And if you'd like to have more, tell me how you get it. Tell me. You are faithful to do what he tells you to do with what you have right now. Right now. Right now. I know uh, this principle applies the same with revelation. It applies the same with anointing. It applies the same in every area. When I was first started in the ministry, I worked in the healing school at Brother Hagen's ministry, and I wound up being the one to minister in the afternoons where he had been ministering, and I felt so inadequate because uh, you know, he had this experience with God and he had this tangible anointing and I just got here a few months ago and still trying to figure out where the books of the Bible are. I mean, it was kind of sad. <laughs> and so, but I knew the anointing would make the difference and so I just kept pleading with the Lord for more anointing, more anointing, more anointing, not realizing that's not how he does things. He doesn't give you more because you beg hard enough for it. That is not how it works. Give me more, give me more, give me. I did that for months and months, not realizing I was going the wrong way. And finally, one day in the floor, doing it again, it was time to lay hands on people that, that Thursday afternoon. And I said, Lord, uh, you know, give me more anointing, give me more. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, faithfulness, Keith, faithfulness. And I thought, oh, Yeah. I know that's important. Uh, I'm going to do a study on faithfulness <laughs> and find out more. But you know, uh, the service is just in about 15 minutes. And what I could really use right now is some more anointing.
He said, faithfulness, Keith, faithfulness. So this went on more than once. And, and finally, I, I said, Lord, I don't understand. He said, quit comparing yourself to anybody else, to Brother Hagin. He didn't start out with all the revelation and anointing that's in his life now. He said, I can do a lot with a little. He reminded me of the little boy's lunch and how he multiplied it. He said, use what you have. Be thankful for what you have. If you're faithful with it, to use it to the best you, you following me, I'll increase it. I'll add to it. I realized my mistake. And I set up. And I begin to say, I turn to the scriptures in Luke 9 and Matthew, and I begin to say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because I'm anointed. Are y'all listening or not? I had to quit begging. I knew I didn't have the revelation or anointing of somebody like Brother Hagin, but I had something. Come on, can you see this or not? I had something. Well, what did he tell his disciples when they said, increase our faith? He said, if you had faith, like a mustard seed. What do you do? Use it. Start speaking and use it. That's how little becomes more. How does one seed become a hundred? Come on, help me out. How? How? You plant it. You got to get it in the ground. The greatest seed that has ever been sown is Jesus. He is the eternal word seed that God the Father sowed into the planet. You and I are the continuing harvest and multiplication of that seed. Hallelujah. You and I. So if God himself had to sow a seed to get a harvest, no matter how much other people mock about this and make fun about this, this is God. This is how he functions. This is how he operates. This is how he has commanded us to operate. And the more we pay attention to it, the quicker we will go from where we are to a greater place. From something, even a small amount, to more and more and more. And so I quit begging and I begin to I'd sit sometimes for minutes at a time and just say, he's anointed me. He's an, I am anointed. He's anointed. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm thanking God for what he gave me. And I'm going to use what he gave me to the, to the nth degree. And as I kept doing that, it wasn't long. It started increasing. It wasn't long. Here comes more revelation. Here comes more anointing. Here comes more revelation. I didn't get it by begging. I got it by using what he gave me. Endeavoring to be faithful yes. with what he gave me. Yes. Look in uh, 2 Corinthians, please. Closing, I think. I'm thinking about closing. Does that count for anything that, I'm, that I thought about it? <laughs> oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. What I, 1 Corinthians 4 is what I, I should have said. I don't know what I said, but 1 Corinthians 4. And, and verse 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. He, he said, uh, let a man account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. 
Say that phrase out loud, stewards of the mysteries of God. Uh, years ago, when the Lord dealt with us to believe for partners for the ministry and dealt with me to write a, a letter to the partners, and, and when as I sat down to write it, this was back in the early 80s, uh, I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to ask for money. And I don't know why I have to. And I'm sitting there, well, what are you going to put in the letter, you know? And, and so I'm, I'm, this is the, some of the first partner letters I ever wrote. And so I'm thinking about it. I said, Lord, I want to, I want to give. I don't want to ask anybody for a thing. I, I want to sow. I want to give. And he spoke to me right there at my desk. He said, the most valuable thing you have to give is the revelation I give you. Did you hear that phrase? The most valuable thing you have to give, it wouldn't be money, it wouldn't be any of that. It's the revelation, it's, it's the light and revelation of the word and of my things that I've given to you. And that's when we started making cassettes and uh, putting them in the envelope. And so did anybody get any of those? I mean, the cassettes, we, we sent them all over the place, all over the world. Uh, Hallelujah. We got an amazing testimony. I won't go into all of it, but I shared it with the pastors last night. Uh, an individual was thinking about committing a crime, and he was out in the woods hiding. And um, as he was sitting there waiting, he saw something sticking up out of the dirt, and he reached over and got it. It was a white cassette tape <laughs> stuck in the mud. Well, you know, it had to be old. And he looked at it. It was one of our preaching, teaching cassette tapes. And as he lay there quiet, I mean, he's contemplating committing this crime. And, and, and he got to thinking about it and just looking at it. And he decided he'd just wait on this crime and went back home and washed it off. And it played. And played the tape and repented. <laughs> Wow. Well, somebody sowed into the ministry. Is that right? Somebody sowed, because we sent those out at no charge, and somebody sowed so that that could happen. They got a part of that. There, I'm telling you, there's going to be people, yeah, I mean, you have sown into this church. You have sown into these things. You watch and see. When you get to heaven, there'll be all kind of strangers that'll come up to you. And want to hug you and want to thank you. And you'll go, well, well who are you? And you'll go, they'll say, thank you. You, you help send this to me. You help send the gospel to me. You help get this to me. You, oh, glory to God. You will be so thankful for what you had, that you obeyed God. And, and, he, and he could trust you with something that he told you to do. He said, steward, good stewards of the manifold, uh, excuse me, stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found, what? Faith. That is the requirement with all managers, with all those who handle another's affairs, is that we are faithful. Somebody say faithful. 
And the Living Bible says it like this, and this is, this is a revelation here. The Living Bible in verse two says, now the most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to do. Faithfulness is not working hard. Are y'all with me, church? People say, well, you know, I, they've been faithful. Man, they're hard workers. They, they'll do it the very best they know how. That is not being faithful. That's diligence. Faithfulness is what, what the Living Bible brought out. If you're handling somebody else's things, how, how could they trust you with it? You do exactly what they want done with their stuff. You do it the way they told you to do it. You never have a better idea. You never just do it the way you think best. You do it their way. Anybody know about, you know, art? And somebody said, that's a faithful reproduction. What does that mean? You can't tell them apart. That means when they reproduced it, they didn't take any liberties to change it. They made it exactly like this one. That's what faithful is. We do exactly what he directs us to do. And when he sees through our obedience, he can trust us. I'm telling you, here comes promotion. Here comes promotion. And the big promotions don't start till after this life. The Lord said, when talking about that same parable, he said to this person, he said, have, uh, you know, authority over five cities. Have authority over 10 cities. There's going to be cities in the future. Who's going to be in charge of them? The Lord wants you to be. He wants you to be. But he's got to know he can trust you. And that's going on right now. That's being proven right now. Stand on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Lift up your praises. The anointing is here. The Holy Spirit is here. His presence is here. Oh, just close your eyes and begin to thank the Lord. His plan is so big. His plan is so vast. And he's, he's looking for those he can trust. I want you to lift your hands. And regardless of your mistakes in the past, regardless of your, your weaknesses and things that you've experienced, God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And he can add to you what you need to make up the difference if you have a willing heart and mind. So lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Say that loud. Forgive me, Lord. At any point in time that I didn't listen to you, didn't do what you said, uh, that's not my heart. That's not my desire. I want to be someone you can trust that will obey you 
quickly and completely that'll do things exactly the way you tell me to, that you could call me faithful, that you could trust me. I know I can trust you. And by faith, I say, with your help, I'll be someone that you can trust. Oh, just pray in the Spirit some. Just, just, kewal, kolog, money. Thank the Lord for hearing this prayer right now and doing a work in you. Work in us, Lord, to will and to do of all your good pleasure. You who have begun a good work in us, thank you that you are continuing it on now and tomorrow and the next. Lord, nothing is more important to me than pleasing you. Nothing's more important to me than obeying you. We, we don't know who's given their heart fully to the Lord or who is just trying to make God and add on to their life. You don't want to do that. You want, you're, you want to put yourself completely in his hands. So say it out loud, uh, confirm or reaffirm, commit or recommit yourself to him. Say it out loud. Every, no, nobody's silent now. Everybody, you, you're breathing his air. His life is in you. Uh, you're created for him. Say it out loud. Father God, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I say, Lord, everything I am, everything I have, everything that's under my control and in my power, is available to you. Here I am. Use me. Here I am. Send me. I am yours to command. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Do you mean that? Do you mean that? Lift your hands and thank the Lord for his grace and for his ability in you and through you and on you for this to be true throughout the rest of your life. Oh, hallelujah. In just a few days, oh, it won't be long. In just a few days, in just a few years, you and I are gonna be out of here. Everybody's gonna be out of here. All of this is gonna be over and we're all gonna be standing before the throne. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And the master, everybody's going to have to give an account of the things that, that happened in this life and were done in the flesh. Not our sins, our sins are washed away. But it's time for the rewards. It'll be time for the, the positions. And how many want to hear your name called? Oh, what could be greater? All the stuff in this life is just going to pale by comparison. How many want to hear your name called? Huh? How many want the master? The master. Hallelujah. The head of the church to call your name. 
Oh, that's what, I, that's what I'm longing to hear. I want to hear the master's voice. I want to hear him say, Keith, Keith, you've been faithful in a few things, boy. Aren't you glad he didn't say everything? He just said, <laughs> I'm glad about that part. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you now ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Oh, friend, what will go through our soul? What kind of fire? What kind of light? What kind of brilliance will, will radiate to us and through us? And this is when our life and purpose really begins to come out now in what we're doing in his kingdom and his things and all the stuff that happened back here down in this dark, curse-filled place, it'll be in our rearview mirror. <laughs> Hallelujah. I heard these words. My eye is on you. I am mindful of you. And I'm pleased with everyone whose heart trusts in me. I'm guiding your path. I'm directing your steps. And the light is growing brighter and brighter the closer you get. And all oh, the things I have planned for you. Great things, exceeding abundantly above anything you have asked or thought. And I have said and I will do it to reveal the exceeding riches of my grace to you and with you throughout the eternal ages to come. You are mine and I am yours. And my banner over you is my love and our future is together. And the glory will never fade. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise. Come on, lift your hands. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. 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 Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. I heard these words too. Don't be entangled with the affairs of this life. Don't be weighted down with cares of this life and the lust for the things of this world. Don't love this world. And don't love the things of this world because it is so swiftly passing away. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all your abilities, all your resources. Hallelujah. And you'll see how you'll be my treasures how you are my jewels 
and how I will hold you in my hand and others will see that I have loved you and I have glorified you with the glory of Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands and thank him again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for, you. Thank you for choosing us, Lord. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you that we are your choice. Thank you. 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 That we are yours. We belong to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We know we can trust him. How many will say, by faith, I'm one he can trust? I want to see a hand. How many will say, I, by the grace of God, I'm one he can trust? I'm, I'm one of God's go-to people. Come on, say it out loud. I'm, I'm one of God's go-to. When he needs something done, it's kind of like, what, what was that slogan about when it absolutely has to be there? Huh? Overnight, what was it? What is that? When it absolutely, positively has to be, who is that? What is it? FedEx. FedEx. When it absolutely, positively has to be there. They're saying, what are they saying? You can count on them. Aren't right? They're saying they are faithful. You, you asked them or paid them to get that there, and they're saying you can count on us. Well, when God absolutely, positively has to get something done, and if other people are not listening, come on, help me out, huh? huh? Does God have some go-tos in this church, in this place? Oh, you'll be so glad. You, you will, if, if that's true and it comes to pass that that's the case, then you will wind up privy to things that others are not. You will get previews that others don't get, and you'll be included in things that others don't get to be a part of. And that'll just be in this life. And in the next life, it really expands. Well done, good and faithful. <laughs> Does those words bless you just hearing them? Come on. They... See, so, something in you knows that's what you crave to hear from your creator. That's what you crave. That's what you were made for. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now, be ruler over much, many things. Enter thou. Is it going to be fun? Is it going to be happy? Enter into the joy of your Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor, come before I start preaching again. Come. <laughs> Hallelujah.
Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.